Greetings, friends! Welcome back to another mysterious episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and just not a great marriage partner, Alex Dandino. Before we elaborate on that information, guys, a little bit of business. It's official. We are on Patreon. That's right. Patreon.com slash Pod. The best way to support the show. The best way to make the show exactly what you want and deserve. You can join our community for as little as a dollar a month. And I assure you, every single dollar is greatly appreciated. Meet our community. See what we're working on building over there. And as you climb the official Highlander tier ranking systems, you get a vote on movies. Pick your own double feature, commentaries, miniseries, all kinds of cool stuff. We work very hard to try to fill up the schedule over there uh, Bring with you awesome the hits. stuff. Bring you the hit so you guys feel like uh, your time and support is well uh, worth it. So, guys, again, that's patreon.com slash Pod. If you are able, it would mean the world to us uh, if you could show any support possible. If dollars aren't possible and we get it, something you can do that's free and easy to help the show, you can leave us a rating and review everywhere and anywhere you find the pod or other pods. Throw us in, right? Let us piggyback. Let us be the barnacle on your podcasting habits. Leave us that five-star rating and review. A couple sentences, all that good stuff. Why you like us? Help us defeat the algorithmic, just nefariously plotting spouse that's trying to keep us out of the game. You can go to YouTube, subscribe to our channel, Phil Malcolmist, see our faces and know that we're telling the truth. That's for certain. You can email the show, philmalchemistpod at gmail.com. You can find us on all the social media you're on. We're easy to get a hold of and always love to hear from you guys. All right, man. I just can't. I can't even muster up the excitement. I got to wash the filth of this movie off with a little bit of chit-chat. So as you guys know, this month's theme... The pod done did it, right? The pod, the pod, pod done, done did it. Done did it, right? These are movies that feature uh, crimes or planning of crimes where we know who did it. We're interested to see how they're going to do it and how they're going to get away with it, right? So tonight's entry into the done did it file. Uh, Gone Girl, David Fincher's Gone Girl, a beloved movie when it came out. I have to say, when this movie came out, I was pretty lukewarm on it. I was not a huge fan of yeah, this. Yeah, you movie, hated right? this. I remember. I wouldn't say hate because this is the thing. The only reason I had such a strong reaction is because I was loving the first half so much. And when we got to the twist reveal, it bothered me. I felt it cheapened the movie and made it way less interesting. Because I was like, why do I care about the rest of a mystery when we've already sold it? So now I just have to sit here for at least another hour. This movie is supremely too long, right? supremely too long but that's neither here nor there i just walked out of the theater a little mad right i was like i was really loving the mystery i don't know why they pulled the rug out on me halfway through watching it today and with the uh you know the foreknowledge of how this all went down i found that critique it pretty much completely washed away from me i really enjoyed just watching the pieces be laid out you know again i already knew so it wasn't this, you know, oh, my God, I'm so in, in, enraptured by what I'm watching, right? I'm so, you know, enthralled with what I'm watching. Uh, today, I just watched it for just the amazing piece of craft that this movie is. 
And I loved it so much more on a second viewing, as often happens with, you know, movies and a little time to, you know, walk away. So, Alex, open us up. Uh, I'm just not saying words very well right now. So I'm going to toss it to you. Open us up uh, with your opening thoughts on Gun Girl. Yeah, I remember your snap judgment not making sense to me, and now I understand why, because How I also realized you? that it's bullshit. Um, but yeah, It so, made perfect sense. It didn't. But either way, um, no, I mean, it's a really... Um, Gone Girl's a really fascinating movie, because not normally do the writers of books get to write the adaptation, because... Again, mm-hmm. writing a writing a book, and I have not written a book. We have friends of the pod who have. Um, I cannot imagine being able to my write a book. My sister-in-law just optioned her first book. Congrats to my sister-in-law, to Lauren. Go. You guys will all want to buy it when it comes out. She's amazing. Anywho. But it's one of those things where, I mean, like, the craft of writing a book versus writing a screenplay are two very different muscles to flex. So it's a very interesting thing when it works because – 90% of the time, and I think you can agree, Griff, we do not see great adaptations from authors of books as far as screenplays go. They're usually overwrought. I think the a little over- yes, the issue is, is that they take so much time to write these stories right. and worlds. They have a hard time discerning what is the most visually important right. I think- information. The best way to like shuffle it in visually, right? Again... Right. This movie's very long and indulgent in that regard, so I feel like they still got a lot out of it. Well, and I think that's the trick of Gone Girl, is that if you pair somebody who has to, basically who isn't going to be able to kill their darlings, so to speak, there's no finer director to not have to do that with than the one and only David Fincher. This is a man who thrives in two-plus-hour films. Uh, Not in a bad way, by the way. It's a good point. I am generally pretty enthused when i watch most david fincher movies like i've not yeah in a lot like i can maybe ca- i can count on one hand the amount of time one one hand and maybe like two or three fingers the amount of times i've looked at my watch during a fincher movie and been like dude get to the end wait come on let's go snap <laughs> chop chop but like that like the long drawn out thing that fincher does and the way he shoots his movies lends itself very well to a first time screenwriter like uh gillian flynn who is a really She's spectacular. She did an incredible job. It's a, it's a really good adaptation um, because the script is very well written. Like, I've, mm-hmm. okay, I can say this. I've not read Gone Girl, so I can't tell if it's a good adaptation in terms of My content. wife has and loved it. Loved it. Likes it way more than the movie, which, you know, I think that's pretty that's standard pretty book to movie fair. But yeah, so she was like a big right. fan of this, was so excited to watch the movie. I think what I was struck by today, it's just. Fincher's just visual teasing, mm-hmm. right? The way that he lays out the opening of this movie, right? The He has a couple tricks he's using that just always I love, right? I love the, like, constant little fades to black. Yeah. And then cutting into this kind of dreamlike diary entry segments, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the scenes where he really thrives at the start of this, right, are just watching Affleck walk, walk through the world and the way he chooses to cut to always find just the right reaction from someone watching Affleck and writing their his narrative in their own mind, right? Yeah. And so by the time that we find out that his wife is doing the exact same thing, right? She's living out this 
fucking lifetime fanfic on her shitty husband. We realized that almost everyone in this town, including us, had been doing that this entire time. And it's a really just beautiful layering of this this theme, right? About who we want people to be and how hard it is that we have no uh, authorial control of people, especially people, even people... Uh, we have attached our entire lives to yeah. and, and vice I mean, I versa, think that's, right? I think that's the really fascinating thing about Gone Girl is it does like this is a very common thing. Like, not just me, I know you did too. When we walked out of the theater, because I went and saw it with Andrea, we walked out of the theater, the first thing I was like, hey, don't Gone Girl me. If I'm fucking up, just tell me. Don't, I don't need to be Gone Girl. I just need to be like told. Yeah. Well, anyone who knows my wife, Amy, she is the perfect. Yeah person to gone girl someone she definitely she's she i was gonna she say she would fit all the fucking nancy grace tv archetypes it is not uh, irony everyone likes her Amy. better than me they would immediately assume that i had done something so this movie's extra fucking scary to, this is kind of like every husband should have to watch this and fatal attraction yeah these at are, least like every six these months are the you movie, know those are the two <laughs> movies but this one particularly is the movie you watch like hey if you fuck up real bad this is what's going to happen. And like, it's not only that, like you have no control okay. over that, but also you have no control over how bad this can possibly get. Sure. But let me just put it this way. If those two Titans of terror going head to head, I'm fighting Roseman Pike every day of the week and 10 times on Sunday instead of one Glenn close. Oh, you think she wins every time? Not even about who wins. Are you right? talking you about make, gladiatorial fighting? Or are you just case. saying straight up? I'm saying if you had to pick your nightmare, right? Like, let's say that Gozer has come and it's like, choose the form of your destroyer. Yeah. Glenn Close is a scarier destroyer than Roseman Pike. Not that Roseman Pike couldn't probably win and be more elaborate and whatever. Glenn Close and Fatal Attraction is the scariest pinnacle of this genre, right? The kind of like marital uh, decay thriller, right? Well, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah. Cl- Glenn Close in Fatal Attraction is much more of a victim than Roseman Pike in Gone Girl. Like, shocking. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like, no, this, I mean, th- you could argue why... that Michael Douglas and Ben Affleck are both pretty fucking shit guys. Yeah, like, and it, th- it ramps up a lot. There's absolutely <laughs> nothing in this movie that makes me think, boy, that Ben Affleck. Like, that, uh, what's his character's name in this movie? Uh, oh, shit. This is going to drive me nuts. Nick. There's nothing in this movie that I was like, boy, that Nick will definitely pull through and learn the error of his ways. No, not true at all. Like, all that's going to happen is be like, this sucks. <laughs> it, I don't think that... It's kind of the problem with the whole genre is that even through, no matter what they go through, a lot of time this genre devolves into, those guys suck a lot, but they didn't learn the lesson because you know in their minds they'll always go to like, but that that lady went like across the line, right? right? Like we can all agree on that. And it's like, well, yeah, that's true. But yeah, there is this you know, like, you knew you were fucking playing with firecrackers standing yeah, on a mountain. of this really, That's a, you, there problem. is this like tenacity for like explaining, explaining it away as an extreme case, you know, but it's really not like you and I both know plenty of women who have like had it and just like been like, fuck this. Yeah, our wives, no, my no. wife <laughs> straight up. No, oh. what I'm saying is it's, it's kind of fun in this movie. Cause Fatal Attraction happened in the 90s where this was very much just a part of how these movies happen, right? Well, Fatal Attraction has the Fatal Attraction has the problem of 
a at the time even at the time like glenn close vehemently disagreed with the ending of that movie and like yeah. in later years having rewatched it and a lot of like like there's one film scholar in particularly who re-examined it and then like how can you put her in this contextualization of like crazy crazy lady when mm-hmm. he fucked up he fucked up he impregnates this woman and she's now like and then she's the crazy one for coming after this guy like that makes no sense so like right gone girl does not have those symptoms of the 90s where it's like dudes will get away you with know, everything i feel like it does a little bit though mm. like does, does roseman pike do you feel like she gets like a really fair shake in this movie and this is the thing i think this movie's written more as like it's it's more of a an analog or a parallel to like a charles bronson death wish movie to me where it's like that so. movie's like a, a male vigilante fantasy right like i'm gonna go out and fix the world and blah blah I think Roseman Pike in this movie is just Charles Bronson for the ladies, right? Where it's like she's I... gonna go out and and punish this fucking large swath of the the men in this country, right? They do the fucking I'm married, but like they said, right? Let's not be those people, right? The like man who's trying to outfox his wife, he doesn't want to hang out with her, and right. you know the shrew like nagging wife, like they kind of lay out up front. These are the people we're not trying to be, but also who we will see them as the entire film. Right? However, so I think this is a a, a fucking Terminator fantasy. I, I get for, what you're saying. Women. I get what you're saying. My big caveat to this, though, is that you're saying this in the way that you would trust a narrator, and these two people are so unreliable in this movie as narrators right. of their own stories that. When you get to the end, and this is how I felt when I left the theater the first time. And this is why, like, probably the, like, big twist change up in the middle didn't bother me is because it was, like, short of, like, actual physical evidence in a lot of ways from, like, certain things. Like, we all know Amy definitely killed Desi, for instance. Like, that, well, that, like, that whole thing happened. What we don't know is any of the stuff, not just, like, in her diary or even Nick's account of things. Because they're both such spectacular liars in a lot of regards, right? Believing them is so dangerous going mm-hmm. into the final act of this movie. Like, you just, again, like, and you said it too, like, the ilk of this movie is, well, they both kind of suck. Like, Tyler Perry is like the avatar for the entire crowd in this yeah, movie. Yeah, he is. Because he's sitting he's there. Like, do- you are just the two most fucking You are the two most people. fucked up people I've ever met. Like, I. And then he just laughs. He's like, this is the most ridiculous story yeah. I've ever heard. And it's I'm like, out. yes. Yeah. He's like, thanks for my, well, thanks for my money. Like, like I'm here, out. Here's a, here's a moment, right. To illustrate kind of what I'm talking about. Right. Cause again, I think you're right on when you say unreliable narrators, right? Uh, I think prolifically the unrelatable. I think the entire theme, right. With everyone we see in the movie, right. Short of the detective. She's the only one who seems to be like, I got to prove stuff. So I'm going right. to like try to level headedly suss this out. Right. And we see that even a good person, right, doing it the right way, trying to garner information and, you know, make factual-based decisions, gets fucking washed asunder in this story. Right. But what you see is that there is not one other fucking reliable narrator in the entire fucking story. And so, to me, the reason I give this movie a little bit more of a pass than something like the older kind of erotic thriller stuff, which exists where it was, right, and it was more for the thrill ride, right? Sure. I think the fact that this movie is of its time, it, it it had to have a scene like when he goes and tracks down the ex-boyfriend in New York, right? Right. 
And as I was watching that scene, right, I found myself, because I had kind of forgotten about this moment in the movie, right? I kind of found myself being like, oh, my God, Rosamund Pike's the worst. Like, of course. Sure. She fucking framed this guy for rape, blah, blah, blah. And as you're sitting there, I was like, oh, my God, Fincher is doing a test to me right now. This is a look at how fast and easily you want to believe this guy. Because now we know it fits into the Rosamund Pike is an unmitigated monster lady, which seemingly she is. Sure. When we see all the fucking links she went to to punish her husband for having an affair. Right. Because I agree. Having an affair and, you know, treating her like shit, right? Their marriage Not seems okay. really unhealthy. Their marriage seems very uneven regardless. Right. But here's the thing. Just fucking get a divorce and leave, right? right. She clearly is like, you know, fuck that, right? Like, I'm not doing that. I want more than that. Because, you know, her theory is like, he consumed me and took and there's nothing left, right? Just her fucking kind of id is laid bare. So what did you make of this scene in the bar, Right. And and Fincher daring us to just believe this guy at face value, especially for the times we live in. I thought this was kind of a wonderful fulcrum scene of the movie. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's your choice again. Like, this is what's so fascinating about this movie, particularly is. Yeah, every single scene, David Fincher is asking you, like. Do you really care to believe it? Do you want to believe it? Like, I think it's a really important distinction. And like, what evidence do you have not, to believe anything? Exactly. Like, I like that David Fincher never spends time in this movie trying to prove anything. It's literally the story of hearsay. Like, and that's fine. We shouldn't have to sit there and do that kind of thing because, like, that's not the point of this movie. The point of this movie, and this is this is the best part about subverting this trope of, like, like this whole month where we're talking about like, Oh, like they done did it. Like that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. The subversion of that in gone girl is that we almost don't care to a certain extent, not just because mm -hmm. we know at a certain point, but also the story of these two and how they're fucking each other over is so much more compelling at a certain point. You're like, these two monsters deserve each other. I don't really know what else to say. Like, yeah, but I think this one in particular, right? Cause this is the one this happened when she was young Right, like, you know, right out of high school kind of thing. Sure. And in your mind, you're just like, well, I've already seen her doing this and this and hitting herself with a ball-peen hammer, yeah. draining her blood, being a fucking pure psychopath, right? And I think that's kind of the hard line that the second half of the movie watches. But what bothered me, because they just ripped the guts out of the mystery the first time I was watching, right? I was really engaged in how they were unfurling information and dragging me through this kind of legal nightmare the first time i was watching i literally had no idea what could have been happening right and in my mind i was watching i'm like i bet we're gonna find out fucking affleck did it like i bet that's where we're going with it right and when they just reveal aha she's just like a fucking crazy scary lady right i was like that feels a little weak right but this scene in particular right the movie's daring us to just accept this because of all the information that she just laid out the thing we know that is 100% true in the film is that she staged her death so that hopefully Nick will get the death penalty. Yeah. That's essentially one of the only facts that we fully absolutely know is true in the movie, right? Right. That's a fucking insane reaction. So when we watch this guy telling the story, right? Well, I thought she graduated from being raped to murdered. That's the line where I kind of like, whoa, hold on, man. What the fuck are you saying? <laughs> You have to stop and think about it. And yeah. the movie's saying, all right, so even with this piece of information, right, 
we are so fast and ready and excited to go backwards and just, you know, assign blame mm -hmm. like the fucking Nancy Grace character, right? It, it, it makes you pause. In the rest of the movie, you are very kind of off kilter. Even though we know what's happening, yeah. there's still this sense of mystery and unease because you can't fucking find your well, feet. I mean, Is it inconceivable that this guy actually did that and that's the thing that sent her on this never fucking again? Never again will I let something like this happen. Maybe. We just don't I mean, know. Maybe, but like... Here's, and I think it's a test to see how harshly you react to well, it. Well, this right? is what Fincher's do. This is what how Fincher does this in the movie mm -hmm. because it's that you see. So it's Scoot McNary's character who's the uh, the like the ex boyfriend who got accused. Mm -hmm. They counterbalance that with Neil Patrick Harris as Desi. The counter being this is someone who was full blown accused, like stop like restraining order. He was a stalker, like this whole thing, like tried to commit suicide, like a whole deal. So the other half of that is, okay, that's someone who actually is, like, clinically unstable, mm -hmm. and Nick knows it. So, like, that's the other uh, – that's one of those other, like, unrefutable facts. We, we think. Or – but, again, it's the same scenario in the bar. Like, each yeah. of these, like, history lessons we learn about Amy – because, like, really the only thing we know for sure is that her parents – wrote stories about her like that's literally like the only thing that i it's the only fact well, i can verify the idealized version of dude, her yeah. that she wasn't <laughs> dude by the way i do love that scene where they're like going through right. like doing the animation she's like yeah i did not make the volleyball team but amy did yeah amy got varsity i quit cello she's a prodigy <laughs> and i was like wow this is really yeah. but see even that right even the parents are trying to get authorial control over the daughter's life and as a parent, you can relate to that, right? Where's the, I got to push these kids in the right direction versus right. I'm trying to write their narrative. And in their minds, they might just be going to a completely different destination. Right. So, so I think that's the, the hard part is, is because again, we're led to believe Neil Patrick Harris had this problem. Mm -hmm. But I think again, and that's kind of the brilliant, it's always half in and half out. Yeah. When we see him, there's just enough things he does. It's like, if you want to buy into this, he looks like a creep. Yeah. Well, that's but I mean, then you could also just be like, this is a guy who thinks, hey, man, that traumatizing thing from the past, that was an accident. I mean, but and that's like going to work movie... out. This is his fairy tale for a half a moment. Well, yeah, but that's the movie at large. Like, I think this is like, yes, that is like the best part about this movie is it's not even saying like it. The unraveling is so unclear. I, I love this is what I loved about even the big reveal in the middle, which is that, yeah, Amy is on the run, basically. Basically, she's on the lam. That's why I think I didn't mind it as much because honestly, the whole movie is asking you like, what do you think? Like, do you actually care or do you just like want to sit there and like watch these people do this to each other? Because at a certain point, like you can't root for Nick period. Cause like, like the only thing you root for is like, well, I don't like people to die, but that guy definitely is a dick. Cause he like cheated on his wife. Like, but there's I no time <laughs> where you're actually rooting for him. Like, yeah. Here's like this is always the thing for me because I remember sitting in the theater and being like, man, like if my mom got sick, because like it was one of those things actually like dementia runs in my family, a lot of Alzheimer's in my my on my mom's side of the family, mm -hmm. and I thought a lot about this. I'm like, if I told, if I told Andrea tomorrow, I was like, hey, we need to move to, we got to move to like you know Harvard, like where my parents live, Harvard of Grace, Maryland. Like we got to move to Maryland to support my parents. Like I'm sorry, like I it's just it's really important to me to be there and it's important that one of us is there like i have my brother of course but 
I need to go. Like, we need to go. I'm sorry. Like, this is, we're upending our lives. Yeah. When I watched that in the theater, I remember thinking, like, it's an unreasonable thing to ask your spouse to, like, uproot themselves like that. However, it's a conversation. Like, to not just have the conversation, to not have the conversation. Maybe they had the conversation. But that's the other part of it is, what are we missing in this story? Like, was it the next day they moved? Or was it, like, a month later after they had had that conversation of, like, listen, we have to do this. Right. Well, it's also that kind of comes in this segment of the film where once we meet Tyler Perry's character, right, his thing is we got to go on an offensive, right, that this is a narrative battle. Right. And so what we have to do is expose Amy and make people not love her anymore, right? Right. And so it's funny because the movie is almost the two legal cases, you know, front to back, right? The first half is the, you know, fuck Nick, Amy's the best. And the second half is the fuck Amy. Nick's getting a raw deal, right? And so it's kind of funny just how blatant he is with what he's doing and how still effective it becomes, right? The second half of the movie, we know, because they just, this this villain twist, I think, was so off-putting to me at the start. Because I'm like, you're just so fucking retarding my mind to the point where, like, all my faculties are slowing down and there there's no more narrative drive for me right like you you've slammed the brakes on so hard because i'm like look at this fucking cartoon monster lady she's hitting herself in the face with a hammer right she's leaving blood everywhere and clean it up like an idiot like nick would do blah 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 right you know even to the point like when she gets robbed by the the couple at the fucking you know trailer cabins whatever Mm -hmm. in my mind i'm like she wants to get fucking caught right the moment she saw those people see her with the money why is she cleaning up that place? She knew. She Just knew. fucking drive away. So then you're like, oh, did she want to fucking do this to get Neil Patrick Harris to get back to Affleck? And I'm like, now I'm doing all of this extra shit, right? I'm writing all these narratives. Because yeah. to me, a woman that smart, she sees that they see the cash. You leave as soon as you get back from Putt-Putt if they haven't jumped you. You go, oh, I left something in my car. And you fucking skid Mark out of there. Right. Right? Like, it's not like she's dressing nice or she has, like, some heirlooms. She's got a fucking, you know, WWE fucking fanny pack of cash. Fucking run out of there. Right? Leave. And so a part of me is now, does Amy want to get caught? Let's say that's possibly true. That Amy, on some level, this was part of her plan. Once she realized she didn't want to die, right? Why should I have to die? I'm not the asshole. This is part of her, like, well, now I got to find a way. She's rewriting the narrative on the fly, right? Right. Okay. She's become such a fucking comically horrible person. That ends in an American Psycho style, you know, white lingerie bloodbath. Yes. You know, it's it's cartoonish. I think that really bothered me the first time. Watching it again and having a little more preparation, right? Now I'm in the part where the movie's daring me to hate her and take Nick's side again. Mm-hmm. They want to see how fast we can fucking change our own narratives. Right. And I think, again, it's a lesson on this fucking true crime, crime, uh, true crime culture. Oh, yeah, totally where we get a lot of sensationalized this like i was thinking about this movie watching um watch that documentary right the girl in the picture and it 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 just kind of fucking comes off as very sleazy to me at times right nothing they did personally it's just that we talk about these people like they're the biggest saints they've never done anything wrong and then the the guys are the monster and that story is a bad example because that guy was just like literally the fucking worst kind of monster Right. But you watch a lot of true crime and it just it's so exploitative 
and disgusting, and we can't get enough of that shit, right? We love to see that because it yeah. makes our house seem better. I mean, and look, all I- these things come together in this movie, and it's it's just a really just wonderful reflection on our yeah. own minds. I mean, look, I work on those shows routinely, yeah. and they're all yeah, very, yeah. The, yeah, they're all super exploitative. Like the way you have to analyze them in. The way you have to talk about them from a story perspective is very unsettling. Like that's always something that's gotten me like pretty much since I became a production manager, I've worked on like murder shows and like crime shows. And it's a fucking massive industry. It's very complicated because sometimes like you're on shows that are a little more, shall we say, good hearted about things. Like you're trying to like, you're on a show about, you know, salacious murders, but you're trying to sort of like enact some sort of social change to it. And then other times you're just talking about, man, these people got murdered. It was bad. Here's some, you know, recree porn for you. Like there's that kind of stuff. I think what's interesting about Gone Girl, and I read this actually today, that Gillian Flynn was talking about how like the media is sort of like the third character in this movie. And yeah. what's interesting is I wouldn't even say like the media, of course, is there in the movie itself, but like, What's fascinating and watching it today is I realized because I had read that and then I watched I watched it. And I, what I realized is like really what it is, is not the media in the movie because the media in the movie is going to shape their narrative. However, it is what it is, is what we've been talking about this entire time, which the media in the movie is really us. Like yes. we are consuming it the way we would consume one of those shows. And to yeah. do that. This is like that is what's so fascinating about this movie is to be able to do that in a narrative fiction film yeah. is absolutely fascinating. Like in a way that yeah. is like grotesque and morbid, but also really, really interesting and like yeah. worth watching for two plus hours, but also worth coming back to over and over again to think it yeah. through. What well, kind of functions like Nightcrawler in that regard? There's a totally. it's kind of like when the the news broke that KFC's new business model was hey, we're not going to give you a tub of chicken and a tub of potatoes and a tub of corn. We're going to create a literal fucking pig trough for you. Right. And you're going to get essentially a large sodi-sized pig trough, and you can just shovel it all in your face at once, you fucking fat, disgusting customers. (laughs) This is what you want with your life. We can hear your heart begging for mercy as you eat the slop bowl. And it became this big fucking running joke, like, what a bad idea, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, somewhere in KFC's, like, fucking corporate hierarchy, right? They had, like, a fucking Omnicorp RoboCop meeting, and they said, we've crunched the numbers. This is exactly what you guys want. Don't get disgusted at the commercials because we're giving you exactly what you want. Yeah. Right? And I think especially nowadays, it's really easy to go after the media and whoever the fuck. The reason all their business models are built so shittily is because that is exactly as the customer what we've told them we want. Yeah. Why is there such a thing is, you know, fucking candy corn Oreos? Because that's what we fucking want. Yeah. This is who we are. And sometimes when we have to stop and examine it, it's fucking grotesque and it's not who we want, right? I think they even say that with Nick, right? Is she's, you know, the best version of you is when you were trying to be someone to impress me. Yeah. And Nick fucking knows it. He can't stand who he well, is in like, this movie. How fucking rad is that scene, too? Because that's at the end, like, when they're sitting there, like, they're... So she presents him with the fucking... Uh, like, I love that pregnancy test bit. Like, that shit is just, like... How yeah. fucking metal is that, though? She's like, guess what? And 
he fucking slams her head against a wall. Well, he goes, she... we literally haven't touched each other yeah. in ages. So possibly NPH's kid. Sure. And then he fucking slams her head against the wall. And he, but she just, again, like, this is Roseman Pike, man. Honestly, she's like, she's awesome unbelievable. But she yeah. fucking, She's like, the motor of the movie for sure. To be, like, in a position where, like, Ben Affleck's going to slam your head against a wall and, like, call you the C word. And for her to come back and just be like, dude, you are nothing without me. You're just some fucking dork in your underwear. And you're like, God, that is yeah. fucking power. Like, yeah, fuck, fuck the media. Fuck everything else in this movie. Like, what's power is this woman right here being like, I'm your only way out. Like, that's it. Yeah. It's, and it's she, awesome. she has caught him in a trap of his own vanities. Right? And he fucking knows. Because that's the scene when Margo's weeping on the kitchen floor. Yeah. And she's like, you want to play house with that monster? And he just has nothing to say. Because he's like, yeah, this is the path for me. I can get back to being... Because at first he's the guy who's like, oh, wear an ascot and fucking fall. You know, third week of January is ascot week. That's how you get ass in New York City, whatever. He's he's the small town boy who was probably the prom queen. Fucked his way through everyone in the small town. Ran away. You know, caught this fucking New York City dream girl, right? Right. Looks down on him, right? Midwestern sack of shit, whatever. Um, and that's what he is. If she can approve of him, that's enough. And assuredly, it's not. Right? You you have to ask yourself, is this how it would go if the recession hadn't taken both their jobs? Yeah, 90% Ben Affleck's still going to go fuck someone else that's not his wife. Right. And Roseman Pike still is probably not going to react well to that. Fine. But the way that he uses that, right is a weapon against her like you're not bolstering me up enough in my hard times without acknowledging she's also now got no trust fund living in missouri her job's yeah. changing right and and it's that's how he caught her right and then she caught him in the exact same thing right she knows exactly what he is is he's a guy that needs everyone to suck his dick constantly right as she said right the cool girl's supposed to like everything you like and then present her mouth for fucking and she, you know, is like, all right, cool. Now I am that. But in like this fucking artifice kind of a cage way. Yeah. Because if you fucking leave me now, the media is going to re-eat you alive. Mm -hmm. And you'll be back to that guy you were. Right? Yeah, Where everyone saw you and hated you. And truly, that's what Affleck can't stand. Yeah. I mean. Right? He doesn't want to be hated. No. I mean, it's what every person does. It's what everybody, not even anybody who's in this very unique situation. But anyone who is in a like group of friends, we you know we have friends who nobody wants bad press, whether it's like amongst your social group, in the public, in the general mm -hmm. sphere of humanity, nobody wants to be thought of as, as a bad person, which is why this movie is about. It's interesting, like the two people who you'd think would be the most manipulative never can manipulate each other. Like Nick and Amy are almost immune to each other in that regard. Nick's just dumb and gets caught because he doesn't understand. They are ships in the night, yeah. A, he can't fucking, can't keep his dick out of, you know, the comp can't keep his dick out of his, in his pants. But also, like, he knows, he knows this is a game. Like, the cat and mouse is what's interesting for them. What's being manipulated is everyone else around them. And it's not just by way of, like, Amy showing us in her perspective of events how she manipulated the entire neighborhood into hating this guy but like more 
it's how not just her disappearance, but also just how in general um, she is so she's so good at manipulating without presence like that, I think, is the key to the whole movie is that her lack of presence. Her lack of presence and all that all that has is this notebook, this damning piece of pieces of paper that Mm. tell this horrifying tale like something that is like true or not terrible like no one would recover from something like that and yet somehow when she comes back covered in blood pulls up to that house and she does that i mean like that damsel in distress flop is just fucking genius but not only that the moment before where they embrace it he just goes fucking you fucking bitch. bitch I was like, that is such a fucking amazing bow yeah, on the that movie. ships in the night thing is so important though, because it just becomes, <laughs> it's funny because it just ends up being like frustrating for him. And then the one thing that always struck me about this, because I think, cause I want to go back to this thing you said about the, because when she gets, uh, basically when she gets robbed in the Ozarks by Boyd Holbrook and, um, that woman. I, I, I was trying to figure out, because now that you say it, I'm kind of curious if she meant to do that. Mm-hmm. I, it would track, why would, right? why would she not leave? Why would she still be wearing the fanny pack? Like, she's the kind of person who can go to that length to commit fake crimes, and she's right. that smart. So I think what the movie's implying is like, well, the best laid plans of mice and murderous wife. Right, and yeah, you're like, yeah. yeah, that's fine. They're trying. To- I don't. Ex- I don't accept that for a second. I think that's a really important thing too. She wore I, her giant fanny pack full of cash out to play fucking putt putt. Yeah, come on. She knew. What? She's not that dumb of a person. I like, think she's setting up. I mean, I guess the argument is she could have still easily gotten to NPH. Without having done that. And when she screams in the pillow after, there's no audience for that. That might be the only honest moment Roseman Pike has in almost the entire movie. There's no audience for the primal scream. So I think, again, that's kind of a a possibly I was reading too into it because she had become such a monstrous character. But also, like, when she's watching TV with the the girl, oh, she's, she's so- watching the show and she's like, as she seems like a rich bitch. She got what she, you know, did. Her husband's cheating on her. Yeah. She sees right through the fucking bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. I think people who go through a lot, right? Like, you kind of can suss that shit out really fucking fast, right? Right. And Amy spits in her drink, right? Because the reason she's so amazing at catching Nick in this trap is they both have the exact same fucking problem. Right. They both want to be amazing Amy. Yeah. They both want to be the person who's on the book and everyone worships them. And neither of them feel that, right? When they moved to Missouri, she says, I feel like something that was packed by accident, something disposable, right? Like I could just disappear, right? Because she's no longer amazing Amy to Nick. She wasn't to her parents. Um, The boyfriend she had, right? It starts going south. She's not amazing Amy anymore. Right. And when she sees this girl in the cabin, be like, eh, fuck another rich bitch, whatever. She's fucking mad. Like, spitting in that girl's drink is insane. Yeah, Just because, like, dumb. you're not buying the obvious bullshit story from fucking well, it's Alpha also, like, Karen. It's so it's so shockingly childish. And it's meant to yeah. play off as, like, a comedic bit, but it's so, like, shockingly childish and, like, a risk. Like, you're going to risk that knowing full well, well that even imagine yourself. this is before she gets robbed by her. So, really, yeah. this is just a down-on-her-luck lady 
who's kind of lending her an ear and being like a friend in a moment right, of right. sadness. And so you're like, you spit in her fucking drink. Like, I don't know about you. When I was young, that was like something everyone's dad said is like the one line. Never spit on anyone. And if someone spits on you, you fucking fight with all the fury of hell to get revenge. I'm like, because of spitballs? It's like a real old-timey thing, right? Like, never let a man spit on you. Like, my dad was, like, really adamant about the no-spitting shit. Yeah. And I was like, right on. I think there's way worse things a person can do, but that's fine. That's your, like, line in the sand. There's (laughs) there's another factor in this movie that we have not talked about, and it's, like, almost exclusive to Fincher movies, I think. Like, I'm not sure I – and granted – I could be wrong, and I'm sure I am, but I feel like David Fincher has such a such a tack, such a grasp on what he's trying to convey. The big piece like we talked about, like this directing is incredible. This script is the script works really well. The mm-hmm. other piece, though, that sets this mood that makes all of us just like not just like pins and needles on the back of my neck, but also makes me question everything is this score by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. I don't know about you, but this is possibly it's almost, it's on par with it's on par for me with like the way the social network was like the vibe Hmm. that this sets for them. The mood that the set this sets throughout the entire movie is so uncomfortable and it's supposed to be, there's like scenes and moments where it feels like it's supposed to be comforting, but there's just like, there's like a third or something like that in the score itself that is so disquieting that it makes it it makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up and you're like, am I being fucked with right now? Like that's like <laughs> that I think is like the key factor in this movie is I do feel like the soundtrack plays this role of like, hey, we might. You be know punking. what's interesting though. Like, thinking back on it, I can't remember a single note of the entire score of this movie. I think that that's, like, a Like, key... when you said that, it, like, dawned on me, like, oh, yeah. Like, Reznor did this with Atticus I or whatever. think that's a really... But that that's what I'm getting at, though. Like, you can't... I, cause I, can't, I didn't notice a single note the whole time I was watching I can't, it, I feel like. But I can't hum it. But this is why I think yeah. it's... This is why I think it's key. Like, I can't it's hum so it. so embedded in there, yeah. But I know it's there. Like that's I think what's so important about the score itself is like I don't know I don't know the notes but I know the vibe I got like there's this something is a very big vibe movie like those <laughs> vibes a real vibe movie. those vibes from that score alone I can't tell you the music I can't tell you the sounds it's making but I know how I feel when I'm watching it like when that first shot hits the screen of the top of her head that vibe. That's the vibe of the whole fucking movie right there. Mm-hmm. Like, there is shit going down there. You're like, God damn, dude. Like, that to me is just like metal filmmaking, is knowing all these pieces are going to fit together at the top of your movie, let yeah. alone the back end. Like, Well, there's also the same kind of vibe, right? Is there kind of like meeting and love story section, right? The um, marriage is hard. Well, not for me and Nick, that segment of the movie. Right. So I was watching this, and Amy was kind of walking in and out, and I was just like, are they just like the two most repulsive people? Like they have no on-screen yeah. chemistry. They're like Affleck's charm offensive, and her like when they do the like mocking people at the party. I'm like these people suck. Yeah. And I was like, is and this is what I was gonna ask you because I was like, is this just again? I'd already seen it, so like it had been lost on me. But I was like trying to remember the first time I watched this. Did I buy their romance for even a second? And am I even <laughs> supposed to? Right. 
Right. Roseman Pike has that one thing when they both get each other like, we're so good at fucking. We need 2,000 thread count sheets. <laughs> right. And she goes, we're so cute. I just want to punch us in the face. I go, that's the first thing I agree with in this movie. <laughs> I want to clobber both of you because you make me sick together. Yeah. And I was like, I think maybe, you know, it's also implied when you're watching a movie Gone Girl, you know it's about this. Um, but I think even <laughs> this whole section is also interesting, right? The disingenuousness of all of it, right? Like, his entire thing was like, I'll cover the fucking butt on my chin. Yeah. Because, you know, that means I'm being honest. And I was like, the fact that your gesture that proves that you're not hiding anything from her is literally hiding a physical feature on your face. Right. Is letting us know that everything about the two of you is disingenuous and not to be trusted. Also, for those of you with cleft chins out there that um, feel so inclined, you know what I did? I grew a beard. That's how people know. You know I'm what? Ingenuous. If I drop like another 30, 40 pounds, I used to have a good one. I used to yeah, have a mine's good one. Like, yeah, mine's pretty indented right here, but that's why I have a beard. So no one can tell that I'm lying <laughs> all the time. Go mustache, dude. We'll be the fucking most mustache pod ever. Now, see, my mustache is not as good as yours. Oh, very few are. <laughs> Kane Hodder said I looked like Ron Jeremy. Kane Hodder of Friday the 13th fame said that oh. to my face. So this is the thing. I was at a whore convention. Kane Hodder decided to make fun of my mustache to my face. And he goes, you look like Ron Jeremy. And I go, I was going for more of a Tom Selleck thing. And Kane Hodder, who played Jason Voorhees, goes, wow, you really have an overinflated opinion of yourself. And I was like, all right, bring it down, Jason. <laughs> like, don't make me turn into mommy here and get all fucking upset. And then because of my mustache, called all of the young women at the whore convention over and goes, hey, this guy, this guy loves buttholes for sure. And I was like, what is happening? Wow. I've lost the narrative thread of the horror movie convention. That's a small aside about mustaches. But yeah, see, that's the thing. Me and Kane Hodder could have an open and honest interaction, unlike Nick and Amy. Unlike They're just Nick sacks and of shit from the start. That's what I mean. Their whole, even that fucking scene, right? I can't let you go unkissed in a sugar stone. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, what a crack of shit. Like, that's that's also beautiful. Just like, oh, we're literally doing the sugar-coated well, nonsense you, version well, of this love don't story. Don't you like how, like, I'm like, how many? Actually, the first time we saw this, I was like, and no, it happened today again today. I was like, how many times has he done this this gag? Like, there's a million and one places, I'm sure. You think he always he did just pull her down that alleyway. So that's like his fucking getting his first kiss alleyway? Yeah. What a sack of shit. You, you know he's I done I mean, this. probably. He's done it at least probably. more than once. Nobody, like, knows that and doesn't have that shit. Not necessarily planned out, but he, like, like sees it. He goes, I know what to do. Also... I mean, I guess, yeah, you just look around. Who has, like, the least responsible cargo dock employees that are just wasting these mountains of fucking sugar just floating through the clouds? Ridiculous. I'd report them to the manager instead of trying to sneak kisses in the alleyway. No, that's neither here nor there. I just, they're such fucking hateable assholes. The only people yeah. in the movie I like at all are the detective and Margot. Yeah. Oh, no, I love, Margo, I, I love get. Tanner Bolt. That's my favorite. Mar Again. He's fine. He kind of just comes in to like mock the whole like stupidness of the story. He's us. He's literally the podcasts of the world watching. See, I feel more like Margot, where I'm like, you ever just have that? You're like, we all have that one person in life where you're like, they're just my person. I'm bonded to them. God, all they do is fuck up. They had all this drama and unnecessary shit to my life. But hey, you know, like when she comes out the next morning and Affleck's like, Oops, I accidentally fell asleep fucking this girl while I'm staying at your house because my house is an active crime scene for murder. And she just goes, you fucking idiot. You fucking liar. And just goes in on him. 
right? And it's like, I was scared before, but now I'm fucking petrified for you. And I was like, this whole movie is just watching Margot just be like, if I could have just been a twin to literally any other human being on Earth. <laughs> you know what I mean? She does seem she very... Just she does seem... Suffering the, ugh. She does like seem like she's very much suffering all the time. Yeah, and then at the end, she's like, oh, thank God, your wife's a psychopath. That's so much better for me. But I felt really yeah. bad for her in the movie. The detective, too, because she's just trying to do her job. Yeah. And uh, fucking Almost Famous, Almost right? Famous just keeps... Yeah. Rolling Stone collapsed, and he's like, I'll just go be a judgmental cop, right? <laughs> Story's written right off the bat, 10,000 words by me. I was on an airplane once. Did you hear that story? Um, and he is just judging him immediately. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's a hard movie to get your feet under you because everyone sucks. You kind of want everyone to get the death penalty. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because this thing, this is not a victimless, like, two lovers having a spat. No, no, it's... They're it's creating here. like a, a tumultuous ripple through this entire town. I don't know. Even like something is little, right? Like I just, I love how many layers there are to this too, right? Like even at the start, right? Like they hit us off with this montage of like this decaying American city. Yeah. And then that becomes the thing like, well, there's a lot of crime and like the mall went under and the city is like having trouble. Yeah. And even when they go to that hollowed out mall, Yep. right you're like oh they're just doing this other like world building where there's another untrustworthy element which adds a little more suspicion but then you're like the people in the mall they're just out there fucking getting high like, like didn't yeah, seem see, like a fucking me, thunderdome I, what i like about that beat is you're just like man we are some judgmental motherfuckers who are just walking out like must the be these tweakers movie. out it's great i'll tell you this when i was in high school and college i definitely would have been at that mall a couple times like for sure <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I'm going to go into the hollowed out remnants of Hot Topic and get weird if anyone wants to come join me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. It's sick. That was my thing. So walk me through this. Uh, we got to get to the NPH scene, right? Sure. This is like the moment of the movie to me. This is where it all really starts fucking going like full tilt, right? What do you make of, of her tryst with... Uh, with the old NPH here, right? Well, I think it's, this is how I'd put it. It's like long overdue revenge. Like, so he, here's what happens. What? Hear me out. Revenge. Okay? Hear me okay. out. Okay. Cause here's the thing. If you're to believe Scoot McNary's story about how he mm -hmm. got accused of raping her in college and kind of like, which I life, don't, but yes. Desi's whole thing is making her the ideal version for himself. So like when she shows up at that place, like when she's watching the interview and she's just housing, uh, whatever she's like tiramisu's or whatever, just like nonstop. Probably just like a $3,000 quart of ice cream. Yeah. Like he literally is like moving it away. From it has her little time. snail testicles in it. It's so fancy. So creating this version, he like basically, you want to know when, like, to me, the key is, like, when do you think she started planning to do that? Do you think the minute she showed up? The absolute moment. Because this is the thing. So the movie is leading us to believe. Because she, she's been writing letters with this motherfucker for a long time. Right. I think he was always a cudgel. Because this thing, he's the one person in the movie that treats her like she's Amazing Amy. He's the one person that thinks she can do no wrong. She walks on water. Even after all the shit that went down, Except right? Except for all the snacks. The smacks? Snacks. She has a lot of snacks, and he doesn't like that. 
I mean, he bought the fucking snacks. He didn't, like, knock the bowl out of her hand, right? Well, he He's not like Ed Bagley Jr. in Shadevil, where he's, he's just like, you pig! Oh, shit, I'm just fucking knocking stuff over him. <laughs> definitely, he definitely, like, Ed Bagley Jr.'s her for just a second. I think he is worried that she likes the ice cream more than him, but not, like, judging her for eating a lot. <laughs> I think when he sees her getting, like, all that in her mouth, she's like, well, she's watching Nick, and she's putting a lot of, like, housing in, and, like, she doesn't want him to make that oral connection anymore. Right, That's right. neither here nor there. Interesting. The movie is asking me to believe that when Nick goes on, he's like, I can handle this interview, right? When it comes out that the girl who had the come on me tits, as Amy says, is now dressed like a babysitter, right? He like mumbling to herself in the casino. She comes out. Nick's like, I'm fucked now, but I'm going to go out and do it. Right. And he even says, right, I just have to reach an audience of one. As he knows that, again, she is as vain and horrible as him, and she needs to see this. And he does the, you know, begging her to save him, right, is how he phrases it. And at the end, he says, I've been taken to the woodshed. And he covers his little butthole chin. Yep. Right? It's like a signal to her. And I think the movie is asking us to accept that that's the moment that Amy sees her lane. She sees that Nick is playing along now with the game that she set up. The, oh, this is yeah. the, the super version of the anniversary game, right? Sure. And that because of that and because of Neil Patrick Harris turning the TV off and saying, I'll never let you go again. Right. Again, because I think Neil Patrick Harris is this Rorschach test where it's he can be as creepy or not creepy as you want to see him. Right. Yeah. I believe that from the moment she gets there, she has no intention of being with this guy who, you know, whatever his fucking routine is. She has no intention of starting a new thing with him. No, he is not a stepping stone. No, so she's trying just to figure based out on that. She already has a plan. She's trying to figure out her somehow. next move. And Nick gives her the out. Like that's... I'm saying with all those post-it notes, all the diary, all the planning, all the Googling, you don't think she had planned for this eventuality. No, I don't. Like, I think she just happened to have his number handy. She can well, call she, him on a payphone. Well, do they they never specify how much time she's there. I guess you can find numbers. I used to live in a time when you could find numbers. So I don't but know. Like, why I hang on. Like but there. she they don't ever specify the amount of time she stays with Desi, do they? Uh, They kind of are telling us how many days she's been. got. So, I mean, it could have been like a week. Well, Less than a week. It feels I mean, like. like Basically, he's like, you need to get back to yourself. And then, like, the next thing is her walking That's around true. in the, her walking around in that weird uh, sachet outfit. She goes, oh, she goes like fembot, she goes, like straight like up, Austin yeah. Powers fembot outfit. Fembot. Yeah. I always, it's like a Barbie thing. And then, yeah. um, so it's clearly been some time, like comfortable, like enough time where Desi's comfortable enough to mm -hmm. like pour me coffee. Make me breakfast. Yeah. Thank you very much. Like all these things, like lulling him into this sense of security. You can so talk about 18th century symphonies and quote Proust in French. Of course, I've got WAP all over your nice chair. It's great. She's then, literally putting. <laughs> so when it happens, though, like here's the thing: is like she's been planning it since she got there. She already was hammering herself with that bottle to create physical evidence. Yep, yep. Getting his seed. Because he um, he's even saying, like, slow down, slow down. She's like, no, get in there. Yeah. Like, he, she knew what she was going to do. And, like, 
it's one of those things where like the exit strategy is one of those things like she was able to bide her time because Desi's too dumb to notice. Mm-hmm. So like she's able to bide her time and figure out what the gag's going to be. So like when it happens, which is horrifyingly shocking and also brilliantly scored, by the way. So like it's just like so brutal and you're just like, whoa, shit. Like you weren't expecting it to go that way. Like you were just expecting it to be more of a. I know when I was in the theater, I was expecting it to be more of a, like, escape thing, where she literally just runs out the front. It's so jarring when it occurs. Oh, my God. I remember everyone in the theater I was in just like, <gasps> just everyone's like, oh, oh, God. <laughs> one of those, like, greatest moments I've experienced in a movie theater. Like, the whole theater went nuts. Yeah. It was fucking insane. But but again, I, I think that is not an act of spontaneity. No, not right? that. Like, but she's I don't... clearly planning on having Nick get the death penalty. If you're to believe her, like, villainous backstory, she's done other things. If you're taking that leap to mentally prepare to slice the throat of this person that's offering you refuge, there's no visual on-screen signs that he's being abusive or damaging, right? She's trying to hide because Nick's after her in his mind, right? Right. So, for me, maybe I just don't have the right point of view, but I don't see anything that's letting us know, like, well, he's also not a good guy right when she does that you're like that is not something like i can't just do that today right be like well i'm planning a crime over here but i'm really no, far but, from like the violence and now i'm just gonna box cutter someone's fucking throat open. no but to me this is like to me there's here, here's what it is for one she doesn't want to be kept like the whole point of the movie the whole point of her leaving and being in a escape and gone girling quote unquote nick is to not be this kept woman, to not be this person who, you know, is the cool oh. girl and then presents her mouth for fucking. Desi, I, I agree with you in principle, but is that not exactly what she becomes by the end of the movie? Her and Nick are absolutely each other's prisoners for the rest of their well, lives. Yeah, but that's them. What I'm saying is, like, first off, that's that like that's her and Nick. Like, sure, like fucking. Tyler Perry says it best, like, you two are the most fucked up people I've ever met. You deserve each other. Like, that's part of the deal. <laughs> Desi is a different thing altogether. Like, Desi wants her the way that he wants her. Like you were saying, the amazing Amy version. That's not what she wants. She has no control in that situation. Because. I don't know, man. He's holding. There, there's, yeah. surve- there's surveillance everywhere. She's literally a prisoner in the home, essentially. But we don't he, get any sign that if she tries to leave, he would restrain her, right? She says she wants to go off the grid. He's watching the news coverage, too. Her husband's on trial for the death penalty. Yeah, but there is that. But here's the thing. the dude When they're at the casino, doesn't he even say, like, we should go to the police, right? But the guy's unstable to begin with. Like We're led to believe only by Amy's parents. I mean, Amy's And he was parents. also, what, 15 years old, 16 years old? Like, well, I a, was teenage, a, thing. a teenage tryst goes bad. Either way. And then Amy's mom, who's a writer, writing her daughter's fictional life. What we're led to believe book. in the movie narratively is that Desi has some designs to keep Amy in a way that maybe is not to her liking. So Amy does the exact same yeah, thing she did to she Nick, which Nick. is yeah. takes the extreme way out. This okay, so this is kind of a sticky. Like, it was a great in theater moment. I don't know that I've ever all the way accepted this moment of the movie in my brain because I think it's such an absolute 
fucking cliff that the movie jumps off of, that it's really hard to kind of gel that with the rest of the, you know, the truth is a little amorphous. What is it? When she fucking cuts this guy's throat open. I mean, now we're in a completely different territory from like wife who wants revenge on her cheating husband. Now we're talking like full on fucking monster territory. You know what I mean? So this sure. this to me was always kind of a, I've had trouble with this bit of the movie ever since I watched it. I mean, to me, I think it's more interesting when you keep it in the like tug of war of different narratives. This there's no tug of war for this. Yeah, but like to me that doesn't that doesn't bother me because a Nick's a sociopath too. So like for me it really doesn't matter. Like it's too he, He's a narcissist and a liar, but do you think he would box cutter the fucking grad student in his fucking throat and I mean, like crawl back to Amy with covered in blood? No, that's not. But that also like again no, this, that's a big fucking valley. That's no, 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 no. But that's that's a false no, 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 that's a false equivalency because it's essentially like what you're what what we're doing and what the movie itself is asking us to do is say because when you ask that question it's a gendered question so it's like okay would a guy do what? that oh no of course not he would be a fucking no, no, no. like this has nothing to do with gender right if neil patrick well, sure harris cut her fucking head off he's the worst person in the movie well, of course i'm not sure. saying nick wouldn't do it because he's a guy or what it's not a sexual dynamics thing if you box cutter if one person box cutters another person's throat they are the worst monstrous person in the movie, and it's not close. Well, right? It was more interesting when it was a tug of war between the expectations of people and relationships and narrative. By the end of the movie, they have all the way solidified in an undeniable way that that tug of war was Nick tugging against a fucking tree, right? He was not going to win that match or lose. Amy's the fucking worst, and it's an immovable fact of the movie by the end. Even if Nick's a shitbag, she took a step too far. And it, it just kind of lopsides it a little bit for me at the end. Here's the thing. You and I both know that, and so does the rest of the audience. Like, we're all watching this yeah. movie. Yeah. Thematically within the story of the film, the narrative is self-defense. And that is what makes this movie. That's what actually makes no the evidence work. in this movie that she needs self-defense from Neil Patrick Harris. Well, no, not to you and I, but to the media at large, the people who are looking for right. to this gone girl. Right. Very much. So. I understand her plan. And the moment when she like bites his lip and then cries in the glass door to the camera. I mean, that's like, yeah. they should have thrown Oscar trophies at her for this movie. Sure. Neither here nor there. I'm saying the fact that we do know this. We do know that this is a fact, and we do know how it went down. I just think it's less interesting of an ending for me than I mean, keeping it in this, you know, just, I weaponizing mean, people's perspectives. Because, yes, they are, but we fucking saw behind the curtain. So there's no give or take now for us. I mean, yeah, I, I disagree. Great movie moment, fun to watch, but I think it kind of deflates a little bit of the amazing cat and mouse we've been doing. I mean, right. It's fun when you're playing with the, is this the diary or is this the fucking bringing Amy down a notch? This is it. Like it's over at this point. 
Eh, I don't agree. I mean, to be you honest, you can't possibly be rooting for Amy, even the hardest. Core, this isn't like, a conversation about side. rooting for either of these two. Like they're both shitbag people that we established long ago. I agree. What I'm saying is that by your, you know, rightful sure. notion, you're discounting that that you're discounting the media portion of this. Like to me, the story remains I'm, interesting because I'm the not. cat and because the cat and mouse thing obviously is over. Like there is no more cat and mouse because quite frankly, that's true. That was a the cat gar the cat words for sure. gargles the mouse's balls and then eats them whole. Like it doesn't really matter. Like <laughs> the that, fucking mouse just drags the destroyers the way out of NPH's feline yeah, mouth. Absolutely. That's like, <laughs> it's so like, because by that right. time in the movie, the cat and mouse is so inconsequential because yes, the, the, the tightrope they're both walking on is so bizarre. So that, right. Once you so, get to her getting recovered and her sitting in that chair and like like but like um uh who's that actress? Kim Dickens. Like Kim Dickens who plays the detective, like knows she's fucking lying. Like there's absolutely yeah. like no doubt in her mind she is fucking lying. But it's right. the perception of everyone else in the room that matters. Right. I agree with that. And that's a wonderful fucking scene, right? Because they even give each other that like acknowledging nod. Yeah. Where she's like, I'm gonna get away with this. She's, she's gonna like, get away with it. Absolutely. And they fucking nod, right? That's a wonderful scene. And I love the scene after she kills NPH where she's about to start fake crying. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, oh, wait, there's no camera in here. No one's here to see it. And she, like, comes back to Stone Cold Killer. Yeah. I'm just saying that that is a an undeniable demonization of Rosamund Pike's character at that point. Right? Because this, this is a quasi... You, you don't feel so bad rooting against Nick. When it's like he was a shitbag and she is taking revenge, but not, sure. you know, whatever. When she slices that throat, I just feel like it tilts it so far in a direction. And I guess maybe for most people, I don't think this scene bothers them at all. I just think there there was a more interesting way to keep that going, right? And maybe that's the thing. Maybe when she does this, it's so horrible and we know they're locked in with each other anyways. There's a an inevitability to this ending that kind of haunts you and looms over you in a rewatch anyway, so it doesn't matter as much. But as cool as that scene was, it's always kind of been a little bit of a wrench in the works for me. Yeah, not for me. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, mean, I do love that scene with the detective at the end. It's great. No, I mean, like, to me, it's just not... To me, it, there's no derailing anything. Like, we all know they're both terrible people. What is... What's That's the difference, though. You keep saying they're both terrible people. Yes. Nick's like a normal shitty guy. She's a fucking monster. Like, they're not the same thing by the end of the film. And it's not comparable in any universe. That's the part that I kind of missed about the rest of the movie. And I understand that. What I'm yeah. saying is that I, I, I don't mind it because, quite frankly, like, you get to the end of this movie. Like, again, it's for me, it always comes down to this. Tyler Perry literally is sitting there like, guys, those fucked up people. Like, I agree. I agree with it. all of that. And, well, there's nothing to disagree with. Like, absolutely no <laughs> one would get to the end of this movie like, all oh, these are very rational people. This this Tyler Perry <laughs> character is out of his mind. No right. one's disagreeing with that. What I'm saying is that when he looks at Nick knowing full well, he's like, your life is fucked, dude. Like, you are not going, yeah. like, you're not going anywhere. It is like this – it's a very bizarre, like, shocking, like, cautionary tale about stepping yeah. out on your wife. Like, 
it makes no sense in a certain in like the regard of like but in the regard of like oh well she is a terrible person obviously because she murdered somebody to get and got away yeah. with it yeah we get it well, What's like Nick different? in his interview when he just goes, I'm sick of being torn apart by women. When like the girl's judging him during the interview. Sure. I like when you're like Nick's that shitty guy who just thinks he can get away with it and treat people yeah. like trash. And, but, and that back and forth is one thing that I, I really loved about the film that sure. is then just completely ripped out. I mean, to me, though, it ends up being like, yeah, it's an extreme thing to happen, mm -hmm. but recontextualize when she gets back into the house and she's like taking that shower and like literally like he's like i am getting the fuck out of here like, i love the dominance of it and him being scared and having to lock the door yeah, absolutely i like all the after parts i just think if we didn't have to watch her box cutter what if we just left it open like all the other possibilities from her past and we're constantly left wondering what happened and they can still be quasi on foot right I mean, I guess you could. You just don't get the visuals. That's all. There's just a small part of you that, by the end of the movie, I mean, you're like you have to. It doesn't matter. Feel like a little bit. You will have known Affleck. that. You will have known that for sure that she murdered it to that person, no matter what. Like even if they didn't Fair. show it. Fair. Like That's there's literally, point. we see no one else at that house. Like there's literally nothing that would be like, might have not been her. Like anyone who would sit in the theater and say that, you'd be like, are you dumb? Like that would or have been if like the movie just laid out that. Neil Patrick Harris actually had also done something to get it. Right? Like, I that mean, would have been an interesting angle to explore, right? I, I mean, mean, this movie is damn near as good as a, of a movie as you can make, so no, I get it, these but are I mean, just to me, fucking quibbles to throw at it. But No, I mean, but to me, it's already there. Like, he wants to control her and turn her into something that she doesn't feel like being. So she does this very right. uncharacteristic thing. Rather than just running away and gone girl and stuff, she literally murders the guy, which is not great. I don't. Maybe I've watched too much of this shit. This is not a you can accidentally just slip into this. Like, so it is in her characteristic, and we're led to believe she's a way worse, more monstrous person who may have even done this in the past. True. This is not a spontaneity like the. No, I mean, but that's like, what Scoot McNary's character is there for: is to like give you the seed of doubt of like, right? She probably did this. Like she's when probably she, been close to this before, but yeah. yeah, like she's been in this situation before. I just think and that's less interesting, man. It just bums me out. I don't. I, I don't like the Mjerder, right? I love all the stuff at the end, right? Like that they both get out of this thing, and you know, but when he's like, "You're a murderer," and she's like, "I'm a fighter," you're like, "Stop making me be on Ben Affleck's side. Stop making me be on Nick's side." And it's just where your brain has to go at the end. It's I just guess. different. I mean, to she's me, she's not just... a fighter. She's a fucking murderer. <laughs> like she was a fighter, and you're kind of down for the cause. And then by the end, you're like, "Well, fuck." I, I don't just... know. Maybe there's something in the NPH character that I missed that means that it's okay to box cutter him. I, I didn't see that part I mean, of the movie. I guess. I mean, again, I've always just assumed. Like, and this is like the vibe I pick up is just the Desi character is another aspect. Another man who wants to control the narrative of Amy. So to See, me, I, I feel like she's controlling him the whole time. And this is the thing Roseman Pike does in this movie that I fucking love. I don't is I don't watching her slip in and out of her like two or three Amy's in the sure, way that he shows up and but, she slips into the like Nick's the worst. Ah. 
I don't think she's out of control. I think what's going on is she finds herself in a she finds herself once she's quote unquote recovered in a very awkward situation of like you're in the house of someone who wants you to be a certain person and you can't not be I guess that I person. just missed that part, man. I, mean, I, d- I didn't see the scene where he dressed her. I thought she just put that shit on, right? Like she could have put on her sweatpants outfit again. I don't think he dressed her. Know. It's the expectation. This is, but the, see, that's what it is. Is like the sweatpants, like that scene before when they're like, when he takes the pudding away, like that kind of shit where they're like, she, he's like, you need to get back to yourself. Like these kinds of things, this sort of male gaze point of view that he is enforcing sure. on her. That is where she knows like, the only way I'm going to get out of this is by doing something either really, really extreme by box cuttering his throat open. Granted, I'm not saying why that's doesn't the first she write another had. journal and just be like, oh, wait, he did kidnap me and fucking gone girl. His ass I'm do a sure double she, gone girl. I'm sure she didn't <laughs> want to wait that. Well, by then the jigs up. You can't do the same gag twice. You know that my wrist is fucking worn out from all the yeah. putt putting. All, all that carpal, all that carpal tunnel writing <laughs> so many pages of another urinal. Good Lord. I. I honestly, I, I've been trying to come around. I, I fucking hate that choice. It was awesome in the theater though. And I know everyone will disagree with me. I just, I think it's less interesting myself, but what would have been not showing it though? Like what would have been the other, the whole movie is about not knowing exactly what the truth is, right? We know for a fact that Amy set him up. That's about the only stone cold truth we have. Sure. She caught him cheating. He's setting her up. Everything else is the war of two perspectives. Sure. I like the idea. Because, again, NPH just saying, like, a fucking psychology cliche, like, the sooner you get back to yourself, you'll feel more like yourself. You'll look more like yourself. That sounds like something a vapid, rich idiot would say. Sure. Right? Who has, like, romantic designs and whatever. I don't read it as as predatory as you do. To me, she's a spider building a perfect web, and that outfit's part of it. Based on Do the it, context of the movie, fine. I'm not saying she's not in out of control. I'm saying that sure. she's in a situation where she knows she's going to. There's a situation she has to take control of. She I doesn't have total that. control the way she would I have know. with Nick. And that's the other thing. No one has total control, man, ever. Like, I like the idea when she can still be a fighter and I not the when, murderer that makes me feel like, wow, Nick is kind of more right by the end of the movie, which fucking sucks. I think what happens is because we are so violently forced into a honest perspective because we spend the entire time, like you said, it's a war of, that's a great way to phrase it. Yeah. We are so violently thrust into the truth of a situation yes. that because the way that the movie ends, we've spent so much time trying to solve the mystery on our own when it's no longer a mystery. And again, this is, this is the thing like Fincher movies are really long when it's no longer a mystery is when when wrap up starts happening, you're like, that was a lot of fun. I, I don't mm. want to, I don't need to, I'm good. Like you, they, that's like the part where you're like on your way out of the theater. They're like, Oh, this is still going. Okay, cool. Oh, sorry. All right. I'm oh, sorry. I'll sit yeah. back down. Like that's what's going on. And yeah. I think that's probably what bothers you the most is that the mystery ends yeah. up going away. That's well, all. the moment she says I did it, there's not mystery, but you are excited to see how they'll wrap it up. And then it's kind of like I'm somewhat rooting for Amy, right? Like, I don't want this guy to get the death penalty, but I want a moment where Nick's like, wow, man, I fucking suck. Like, I fucked up. Where he's not lying on TV. We never get that, and then we just double down on Amy being an enormous piece of shit. I don't know. I think. And it's just a but. And again, but then being trapped at the end like that, 
And Isn't I hear that- how she said it right. And he's like, I am leaving you. And she's like, I've killed for you. Who else can say that? And she's like, there's no way, baby. I'm it. I'm the whole thing. And I'm like, are you trying to say you did that for him? Like, I know you wanted to come back to it. Just, yeah. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe you're supposed to be Because I love the final line. I'll tell right? you. I'll- the book ending of the movie is one of my favorite things, right? The looking at their head, what are they thinking? Sure. And, you know, we don't really get an answer at the start, right? That's like the primal marriage question, he says. And at the end, he just does that, you know, what have we done to each other? What will we do to each other? As this fucking throat slicer staring right into our souls. And we're like, oh, these two fucking absolute shitbags are going to be parents now. Probably with the dead guy's fucking baby, right? And he even says, like, we're partners in crime and now we're going to be parents. So... There is this wonderfully excruciating quality of watching these two kind of rewrite now together on the fly. Sure. It's worth the squeeze. That part is good. I just, I feel like it takes some of her, her kind of righteous anger away, which is something I I was liking at the start of the movie. Maybe we're not supposed to lionize anyone. Maybe that's like another like true crime backhand. Like, I mean, to me, know. I think the whole movie is a true crime backhand, obviously. For sure. For but sure I think, is. like, I think because, again, and this is just perspective, I think also I am not, I'm not a woman. So my perspective is, my perspective sure. is extremely male. I can Mine sympathize. Is too. I can Mine sympathize is too. as best I can, but, like, yeah. I'm still, like, you. here's the problem. Yeah, you get to the end of the movie and you're like, oh man, that poor guy is just stuck in that relationship. Like, no, bad Alex. That's a terrible idea. That guy fucking put no. himself there. That's David Fincher's male point of view problem. Yes. I'm with you. I have a male point of view. I'm down for the cause. I'm rooting for Amy almost the whole movie. There is no one on earth that can justify what the fuck she did. She is inarguably the fucking movie monster at the end of the film. And that's not because I'm a man and you're a man. That's no, no, I don't think so either. And I mean, like, I don't, (laughs) I don't think it has anything to do with you know, feminism particularly, like that part at least. I mean, I'm the whole other part of the cuts across all fucking human. Murder has no, yeah. (laughs) People suck and they need to get murdered. This is my thing. If she's got a box cut or someone, it should have been Nick. If you want to get the fuck, if you want to, you know, fucking get it, go get the guy that done you wrong. To me. This I mean, now being... she's torturing him longer, so maybe that's more fucking. Well, that sweet. to me is what the that to me is what the end result is. Like that's like the point of not murdering. That's bad. No. <laughs> but no, it's an inex. We'll just stop talking about it. We've done this for a while. It's an yeah. inexcusable fucking black eye but on the character. I think to get back to Nick, that is the that's like the end. Like to get back to Nick is the end result. Like or not the the end game. Like that to me is what's important to Amy's character. Is like. There was always the intention to get back to him, to fuck with him long enough to be like, don't fuck with me back. It just veered because she got fucking yeah. robbed by a bunch of hicks. So, you know. Yeah. And I mean, it is kind of dumb because, like, she gets to go back to her husband who clearly sucks and is a shitbag. And if history always repeats itself right, Nick's still going to be fucking. Here's my question. He's still going to be fucking eventually. Do you think after all that, history would repeat itself do you think that nick's not gonna come to the conclusion in like six months like oh we have book deals and a reality show and this and that 
if she fucking kills me or gone girls again, then I'm probably not going to get the benefit of the doubt. Nick is within one year of this movie. Nick is having fucking orgies at the student lounge orgies. Cause he's like, I have fucking cum coated armor against whatever you're going to do now. She had her shot and she used it to kill NPH. So she's like, Oh, I've trapped you, Nick. Well, guess what? Now the world all sees you and they see you as terrific Amy and this and that. If Nick ends up dead, if something happens to the kid or she disappears again, they're not going to think Nick did it. They're not going to. Nick has carte blanche to be the biggest piece of shit husband. This is why he even says, what will we do to each other? Because in Nick's mind, he's already imagining all the fucking student tits that are going to be in his face. Not five minutes after this movie ends. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd go there with that, that, with that one, but I get it. I mean, that's the thing. She had her shot. She missed. She missed. I mean, all she, she managed to do is trap she herself made him, with a shitty man. She made him a culpable suspect in her disappearance for the remainder of his life. Nope. You don't think the next time she goes missing and he can be like, hey, guys, remember that last time? Like, yeah. Nick for sure is going to check in everywhere he goes, use a credit card everywhere he goes, have the fucking buddy system everywhere he goes, and just be like, yeah, man, she did this before. Probably fucking her. Again. Right? How many more fucking X's does she have to slice up to, like, have these games continue? I think, I, logically, Nick is unchained by I the end also, of this movie. I think you are discounting. The fucking battle wing that we saw in the shower is going to rampage through Missouri. I think you are deeply underestimating people's logic in the world of Gone Girl. <laughs> that could That's also right. be extremely true. Yes. That could also... <laughs> I'm just telling you, my wife named Amy, you get one chance to bring me down with the fucking setup. After that, I have carte blanche to do whatever I want. That's what I think happens legally. I don't know. I'm not a legal scholar. I'm barely a film scholar. But what I do know is that this movie is a wonderfully crafted uh, crafted and amazing ride. It was really fun to rewatch it, man. I really enjoyed uh, the movie so much more today. Uh, I hope you guys had as much fun with Gone Girl as we did. That's it. We're getting out of here. We got more crimes to done did for the rest of the month. A venture sized uh, pod for you, friends. That's right. We really, that fucking arguing really fucking ballooned our runtime here. We were coming in nice and tight, and then we just started yapping and arguing and talking about all the orgies we'd have after we were cleared of You'd have. Doing. I would not be able to pull that off. You liar. You liar. You're the perfect guy to be a behind the back fucking murder orgier because you're so much more innocent. That's the thing. Neither here nor there. Enough of that. <laughs> So we're coming back with one final uh, murder mystery. Or is that it? Is that it? This is the last one. Is this the last one? This might be the last one. This is the last this is it. Oh my of God, the murder mysteries. The my oh, God. Man. Sorry. We the recorded in it. The pod already done did it. We done all our crimes. We're moving on. Uh, so next it. month, the pod delights Dan Dino for his month, uh, his birthday month celebration. These are movies that myself, his mother and his wife have come together as a brain trust to pick movies that mean a lot to Alex, maybe have some personal ties to Alex. So a lot of really fucking fun movies coming next month. We're gearing up and heading towards October, so stay tuned for all of that. Make sure you subscribe to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash pod for even more fun content. Uh, a little control so you can help craft the show to be what you want it to be over That's there. That's right. Craft your own narrative. 
That's right. Like Roseman Pike. Just no box cutters on our Discord. None of that. None of that shit. We're a nice, peaceable people. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> we appreciate all the support. The email, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. The YouTube, filmalchemist. Run all the social you're on. Hit us up. All right. That's enough from us for the Film Alchemist. I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino. 